Let's open up God's word together. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40 today. Mark 1, verses 40 through 45. Let me ask you a question. Are you good at keeping secrets? Are you good at keeping secrets? If there's a surprise present or party coming up, can you resist letting the cat out of the bag, so to speak? I remember when our kids were younger, many of you I know have had the same experience. When they were younger, we we could not tell them if Jennifer or I had a surprise for the other one. We could not tell them because we knew that right when the other one walks in the door, they just blurt it out. They were so excited about it, they couldn't keep it in and just tell them right away. Some of you are still like that, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Perhaps a more serious example, if someone tells you something in confidence with the understanding that it's not for you to tell anyone else, can you resist that? I think all of us know the feeling of temptation to go share something like that with just one other person. Right? I'm not going to go blab it to everybody. I'm just going to share it with one other person. I often wonder what it would be like to work in a job where you had to keep secrets. Right? Certain government agencies, undercover spies, or working at a place like Apple, right, where the next big product release could be ruined if you leaked a photo or some information. Right? What would it be like to work in a job like that where you couldn't tell people what you were doing? Just last year, someone who worked in the offices of the Supreme Court leaked the draft of the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade uh, weeks before it was supposed to be released. And so we see from all this, I think, that it's hard to keep secrets, isn't it? It's, it's hard for us to keep secrets. Well, in today's text, Jesus charges someone to keep a secret, and it's pretty hard for them to keep it. We're going to see that today. Let's read our text. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 40. This is God's word. Mark writes, And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. I'm going to take our our text today in two sections. I want to start with the healing of this man, the healing, and then I'll move on into a second section later, about halfway through, where we'll talk about the secret, the secret that Jesus asks him to keep. But first, let's concentrate for a little bit on this healing. He heals this man of leprosy. Now, throughout the text, you'll notice over and over again, it doesn't just refer to healing the man, it says making him clean. He says, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus says, I will be clean. Verse 42, he was made clean. What is that talking about? Clean. Well, 
in the Old Testament, the cleanliness laws were absolutely central to the way the Israelites lived and the way that they related to God. God had given them the Old Testament law, and a big part of this law was the cleanliness laws, that you could be clean or unclean. Now, in the Old Testament, what this meant was your, your default state was clean. Your default state was you were, you were clean, and you could go about your business, you could interact with people, you, you weren't barred off from, from being in any place in the community. Your default was clean. But certain activities or diseases or animals or even objects could make a person unclean. It could make you unclean. To be unclean was to be in a state of ritual impurity before God and before the community. It meant that you had to separate yourself off from the rest of the people. Now, this was almost always temporary. And God provided a process for someone who became unclean to then become clean again. But... The main thing I want you to see today is in the Old Testament, when a person came into contact with something unclean or someone that was unclean, the defilement spread to them. If you came in contact with someone who was unclean, they were already in that state. The defilement would spread to you. If you touched a dead body, you would become unclean. If you touched a person with a bodily discharge, you would become unclean. If you touched something they had touched, you would then become unclean. And much of this, as you can imagine, was to prevent a mass pandemic and spread of disease in a time where they didn't have doctors or disinfectant or medicines or vaccines, right? It's a very ancient people, very ancient time. Those things could have wiped out an entire nation very quickly. And so that's a big part of the reason why God gave them these laws. Now, leprosy, however, was a bit more serious. Because this disease didn't have a cure. Lepers would live in a community off to themselves with one another, with other lepers, because they had been cut off from living with their family members to protect their family members. They had to protect their family from themselves because this was a death sentence. When a person with leprosy walked in public, They had to, by law, remain a certain distance away from other people. And they had to shout out, unclean, unclean, when they would walk anywhere near anyone else as a courtesy to those other people so that they did not spread the disease, so that no one accidentally came too close. And so I want you to put yourself in this man's shoes for a second. He lived with this disease. What was that like for him? Try to imagine the hopelessness that he had. Try to imagine the shame that he constantly lived with, learned to live with. Try to imagine the despair. Try to imagine the way he felt every single day. Now, I want you to see, in light of all that, I want you to see verse 41, which stands out as even more amazing when we understand truly what this man was going through. Verse 41, moved with pity... Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. He stretched out his hand and he touched this man. Now when Jesus would have began to draw near to him, to stretch out his hand, everyone who was watching would have immediately become seriously uncomfortable. Everyone. Because two things are going on here. Number one, Jesus, if you touch him, you're going to become unclean. And number two... You're going to get leprosy. 
And Jesus, we can't have you getting leprosy. Of, of all people, you don't need to get this. And so all of the disciples, everyone around him, would have been motioning, moving, gasping, shouting, don't touch him. And Jesus does. Because you see, Jesus touched the untouchables. Jesus touched those who were untouchable. Don't miss the way that Jesus ministers to this man simply by touching him when no one else would. Can you imagine living for years with leprosy, having never felt the touch of another human being? We take this for granted. To have never felt the touch of another human being for years, we take this for granted. One of the the beautiful things about a church community is how we come together, and appropriately, of course, we, we come together and we love on one another. We shake hands, we hug We minister to one another through touching one another, through welcoming one another, even in a physical way. Of course, appropriately. It's a sad thing in our day that we have to say that and couch all those statements with those those reservations. But a handshake and a hug, don't underestimate what that does to someone, especially someone who doesn't regularly receive touch from another physical human being. This man hadn't been touched by anyone in perhaps years and years. So don't miss the way that Jesus is ministering to him simply in that way, being willing to touch this man who has leprosy. But also don't miss this detail. What happens when this man, Jesus, touches someone who is unclean? He doesn't become unclean. They become clean. You see? He doesn't become unclean like everyone else does. For everyone else, it didn't matter who you are, it didn't matter if you were the high priest himself, everyone who touches something or someone that is unclean, the defilement spreads to them. You become unclean, but not with Jesus. With Jesus, it's reversed. When he touches someone who's unclean, they become clean. It doesn't affect him. In fact, he affects them. Throughout Jesus' ministry, he reached out and touched those who were unclean. Remember the woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. She was in a constant state of ritual impurity. You touch her, you're going to become unclean. He touches her. She touches his garment. Think about Jesus reaching out and touching the dead body of a 12-year-old girl to raise her from the dead. Think about Jesus reaching out and touching a man with leprosy. He touched those who were unclean. And all of those things would have made someone unclean, but not this man. No, when this man touches those who are unclean, he doesn't become unclean. They become clean. This man reverses the curse of sin. This man makes all things new. Some of us have not had power in our house in recent days. Many of us, at least at some point, have not had power in our house. But my friends, even though we don't have power spiritually, there is power in this man. There's power in his blood, and there's power in his touch, and it flows from him, it flows out of him. He reverses the curse, he makes all things new. The power 
of Jesus. Behind every physical healing and miracle in the Gospels is a spiritual lesson for all of us. Behind every physical healing and miracle that you read in the Gospels, there's a spiritual lesson for all of us today. And here it is for this one. If you come to Jesus in the uncleanness and impurity of your sin, he is willing to reach out and touch you. And his touch has power. His touch will heal you and make you clean. His touch can wash away your guilt and your shame and your condemnation. His touch can give you a hope and a future. But you must come to him and kneel. Do you notice what the man does right when he comes to Jesus? Verse 40, a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Humility and faith. That's what we see in this man. Humility and faith. He comes before Jesus and he kneels, acknowledging this man's authority, acknowledging his power, acknowledging his greatness. Like a citizen in the presence of a king, he kneels. Humility. And then he expresses great faith. He says to Jesus about his leprosy. If you will, you can make me clean. You can do it. I know you can do it. It's all up to whether or not you want to. If you will, you can do this. Great faith, humility, and faith. That's all it takes, brothers and sisters. That's all it takes to come to Jesus is humility and faith. And one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture is that if you come to Jesus with humility and faith, you don't have to worry about whether or not he's willing. Spiritually, the scripture tells us he is. It is God's will that all be saved. For any who come to him in humility and faith in his son Jesus Christ, he wills that they be saved and cleansed and renewed. You don't have to worry about the willing when it comes to salvation. He is willing. He can make you clean. He has the power. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And are you willing to come with humility and kneel before him? This is the way that we should pray as well. It's a lesson for us in prayer. Because when we come to God through prayer, we we come to him like Jesus came in the Garden of Gethsemane. I present my request, God, yet not my will, but yours be done. It's all up to your will. But we come with faith. We believe that he can do it because he can do anything. He has all power. He has all authority. He has made everything. He can do whatever he wants with his creation. He can do whatever he wants with disease. He can do whatever he wants with circumstances. He can do whatever he wants in our minds, in our families. He can do anything he wants. It's all up to his will. And that's where it gets tough, right? That's where it gets hard. Because sometimes it's not his will. But we're still coming in faith. We still believe. And we're coming with humility. Because he has the authority to do what he wants. And whatever he wants, he gets. But it's all up to what he wants. Not my will, but yours be done. Faith and humility. 
And so we see his healing of this lame man. But now I want to move on to the secret. The secret. Did you know there are times in the Bible where Jesus commands people not to tell others about him? Jesus will tell, tell people to not tell others about him. In verses 43 and 44, right here, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. What is that about? Or, or look in the same chapter, just up a few verses. Chapter 1, verse 34. Chapter 1, verse 34. He was casting out demons. At the end of verse 34, it says, He would not permit the demons to speak. Why? Because they knew him. The demons know who Jesus is, right? Even as religious leaders and other people don't know Jesus, the demons know who he is. And Jesus does not permit them to speak for that very reason. Don't tell people about who I am. What, what is this? Let, let me show you a couple instances in the book of Matthew. Matthew 9, starting in verse 30. He heals two blind men, and it says their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, see to it that no one knows about it. But as in our passage here, they went away and spread his fame all throughout that district. Or finally, Matthew 16, verse 20. Matthew 16, verse 20. And for this one, I have to turn to it because I actually put the wrong one down on my notes here. Matthew 16, verse 20. He's speaking to the disciples here, the disciples. And it says, then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This seems exactly backwards. I thought the whole point was to spread the news that he was the Christ. Why on earth would Jesus command that people not tell others about him? Be silent. Keep it to yourselves. Now, one reason is this. His hour had not yet come. His hour, the time of his death, had not yet come. Jesus knows once word starts getting out, it will set in motion a chain of events that will lead to his death on the cross. He knows that. Now, he's not avoiding it. He's not avoiding it. He's going to go willingly to the cross, but it has to happen at the right time. There are tasks that he has been assigned by the Father that he must still complete before the time of his death. It can't happen prematurely. It's got to happen at the right time. And so he, he doesn't want that chain of events accelerated more than it has to be so that he can do and teach and perform all the miracles and, and everything that God wants him to do before his time of his death. But he also knows, and you see this in the passage here, he also knows that once people start to hear about the miracles, he will be swarmed with crowds. He will be swarmed with crowds. It will become much more difficult to just live a normal life. Many in these crowds will not be seeking the kingdom of God, but rather an exciting experience to receive or witness a miracle. Notice in verse 45, it says the man spread the news, and then it says, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. It's, it's saying he was forced out into desolate places, and then people still came to him from every quarter, even though he was out in, in secluded areas and didn't really let anyone know where he was. And so Jesus tells these people, don't say anything right now for those reasons. He, his hour had not yet come, and he knows this is going to significantly hamper his ability to move about to do what he needs to do. But as Jesus sternly charges this man to say nothing to anyone, how does the man respond? 
How does he respond? With blatant disobedience. He, he goes out and he does exactly what Jesus told him not to do. You know how sometimes we say something like, that's the worst kept secret in Colombia, right? Some, or some such phrase, that's the worst kept secret in Colombia. Well, this is the worst kept secret in Galilee. The worst kept secret in Galilee. Verse 45, he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news. But how can we fault this man? How can you fault him? You can't. Even if Jesus did sternly charge him in verse 43, you even get the sense that even Jesus would not have faulted this man. Even Jesus would not have condemned him for spreading the news. This is much like our kids when, when they're young and they get so excited about a surprise and they just blurt it out. And perhaps that's, that's not what we wanted to have happen, but we can easily forgive them for that, right? Because it was done out of love. It's done out of love. It's kind of like a young couple figures out they're pregnant and they're not letting the, the public know about it yet. They're not ready to announce it, but one of them, in their excitement, lets it slip to a good friend, right? We can easily forgive our spouse for something like that. They're overjoyed about something that's happened to us both, right? It's easy to forgive. You can't fault this man for going out and telling everybody what, what happened to him, even as Jesus sternly charged him not to. But I want to show you how, how much this speaks to us in our situation today. This is a rebuke to every single one of us. This is a rebuke to us. How convicting this is. What a rebuke it is. And to our shame that Jesus commanded all these people that we just saw in all those examples, he commanded them to not say anything about him, and they did anyway. And yet today he commands us to tell everybody about him and we stay silent. This is a rebuke to our shame. You might say, John, of course this man was telling everyone. He was just miraculously healed of leprosy, right? Of course. Do you realize that if you are in Christ today, and if you have had your sins forgiven and washed away because of Jesus, he has done something to you that is so much greater than what he did to this man with leprosy. It is so much greater than what he did to this man. This man's healing was only physical and it was only for this life. Your healing is much deeper than that if you are in Christ today. Your healing lasts for eternity. And when you have spent one second in his presence in heaven, you will realize why what Jesus has done for us is greater than what he did for this man with leprosy. This is why Jesus will go on in Mark 2 to tell the paralyzed man, before he heals him, he tells him, your sins are forgiven. This is why Jesus after healing the man at the pool of Bethesda, found him again and said to him, sin no more that something worse may not happen to you, that nothing worse may happen to you. This is why Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away because it's better that you enter eternal life with one hand than go to hell with two. Because a physical healing for this life only is nothing 
compared to what Jesus does for each and every person who comes to him in faith and humility. If you are in Christ today, Jesus has done something for you that is far greater than healing you of leprosy or blindness or cancer or any number of physical problems. And if we can just start believing that, we won't be able to stay quiet about this man and what he has done for us. And that's, brothers and sisters, why we don't share the gospel. That's why we don't talk to our neighbors about Jesus. That's why we don't say anything about our salvation to the people we come in contact week after week because we don't understand what an amazing and miraculous thing has happened to us. Because if we did, we wouldn't be able to, to shut up about it. Jesus commanded this man in the, 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 the presence of Jesus having just had a miracle happen to him Jesus just healed him of leprosy. He knows Jesus' power. He knows Jesus' authority. And he receives a command from the man. Don't say anything about it. And he can't help it. He still can't help it. He still can't obey. It's just coming out of him. And meanwhile, we've had something greater than that happen to us. And we just keep quiet. We just don't say anything because we don't want things to get awkward. Because we don't want people to... Think something about us. What in the world? I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to every single one of you guys. We've got to understand what has happened to us in the gospel and coming to Christ and the forgiveness of sins and the healing that we have experienced. Because if we did, we wouldn't be able to shut up about it. And we would tell everybody about this man and what he has done for me. And so... If this man has reached out and touched your heart and has cleansed you from your sins and has healed you and taken away your shame, then go spread the news. Jesus has given you permission. In fact, he's given you a command to do so. But there might be some here or listening later who are still living with the disease still living with the shame and still living with the condemnation of sin. And I ask you, won't you come and kneel before this man today? Won't you come and kneel before him? Kneel before him. Ask him to heal you. He's willing and he's able. Kneel before him voluntarily Or one day you will kneel involuntarily. You kneel one way or the other. What's it going to be? This is a good time for us to stop and to take some time for prayer and for response. During this time of silence, we ask each and every person to pray individually, to respond to the word that God has just laid upon your heart. Go to the Lord. Tell him whatever you think, whatever you feel. Because it's probably different for every single one of us and we all need to respond to the word. And so we offer this time of prayer to do just that. And here in just a second, 
after we pray for a few minutes, we're, we're going to come back and we're going to have an invitation time where anyone who needs to respond to the word in a public manner can then do so. But for just a few moments here right now, let's all pray and respond.